Hey everyone, this is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast, uh, coming to you through the the media of Zoom today. Um, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with this podcast, we're primarily twelve step recovery based, but I do like to explore uh, any and other any other avenues that people uh, find to uh, heal their souls, to uh, find their true selves, find their true voices, uh, recover from trauma, um, just get closer to the the being that. Uh, that the universe has made us to be. And so that's my guest today is going to help with that today and uh, open some doors for me. Um, when he first called me or contacted me, you know, um, <clears throat> I believe these things are uh, divinely inspired to some extent. I don't think anything happened by, by accident today. And, uh, and it, my immediate thought was, well, this is something I need to know more about, uh, because I didn't, I knew I didn't know much about it. And, uh, that's been, you know, I, I, when I, before I got sober, before I came into recovery, I have a very closed mind, anything that was strange to me or unknown foreign, that kind of thing. I'd want to wall that off and, and, and keep that away from me. Uh, and I think mostly that was some fear stuff that was going on behind that, but, uh, recovery's allowed me to open my mind to uh, to all these wonderful healing modalities that we have in the world today. Uh, and and I had a friend say to me one time, well, I heard him talking to somebody else, and a guy asked him uh, what you know what religion he was, and he simply said, "I try to draw from all the ancient ancient spiritual teachings." And uh, and I was like, "Yeah, that's." that landed with me real well. And now I've used those, used that borrowed that line from him too, uh, because there is so much, uh, so much to know and, and walling myself off from anything in particular, just as a disservice to myself and the people around me that I may be able to carry this kind of stuff too. So uh, we're basically 12 step recovery based. I just want to get two commercials out of the way. 12 step spiritual recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is the 12 steps for everyone and anyone. You do not have to uh, fit into the traditional 12 step programs to benefit from the 12 steps. Uh, most of the time when people hear it, they immediately link it to substance abuse and alcoholism. And uh, we have found in here in Louisville, Kentucky, that, uh, that it will help you improve uh, your life, no matter what your, you know, even if you don't have a substance abuse pro problem, most people think uh, most I ask people, do they have a, any room for a little more or a little better in their life? Do you either one of those? Would you like to have a little more of anything? And could your life be better? And uh, and if that's the case, these 12 steps may be the tool that help you get just a little bit uh, closer to your goals there. 12-step spiritual recovery by James Christopher Combs available on Amazon. Uh, also the music around this podcast is, uh, by my, my friend, Darren Frank. And I always like to give him credit for the music. Um, it's all, he writes a uh, recovery based songs and, and, and heart based music. And, uh, and you get to hear a little bit about that, a little bit of it, uh, as we come in and out of this podcast. So I'm going to let you, because I am not good, and I should have done it at the beginning, but I'm going to let you say your name, because I'm I'm always afraid of messing it up. One thing I am good at is remembering people's names, but I got to hear you say it before it will come into my brain right. Roddy Kish. Roddy Kish. Roddy Kish. Okay, I wanted to, I wanted to quick it up a lot. Uh, I wanted to right. collapse the, the syllables. And uh, why don't you just tell me a little bit about, about your history and yourself, and we'll, we'll, we'll walk a path tonight and see where the conversation takes us. Absolutely. It's a great pleasure to be on your show, Dan. I uh, heard your podcast uh, a while back, and I was fascinated. And 
was like, this is the type of person I need to reach out to and talk to. I have uh, my background, you know, I've been a doctor for 20 years uh, and my family, a medical doctor, you know, in practice. But a couple of years ago, I kind of got a lot of different things happened, but disillusioned with the way the medical field is and the things it does and its modality of healing, though it has many wonderful things it does, there are limitations and there's a blind spot there for a lot of medical practitioners who don't see that limitation. And on top of that, my family has always, uh, for generations, practiced astrology and Ayurvedic medicine, which is like a Eastern form of healing. And I've been really focusing on that in my life to the point where I saw that I could help a lot more people with their suffering and their difficulties and their problems uh, at a much deeper and more holistic level uh, through the astrology and through some Ayurvedic treatments and things like that. So a couple of years ago, I started doing this full time and uh, I basically spend my days in counseling and astrology and giving people guidance on you know, the spiritual side of life. I, uh, myself and my family moved to, moved to a spiritual community about uh, 11 years ago. And we've lived here ever since living a very holistic and spiritually based life and uh, have been so much better off for it. You know, I walked away from a quite successful medical practice that I had. And uh, I decided that <clears throat> I could see the the writing on the wall, as they say, and I decided that the uh, the future in giving help to people is going to be more meaningful to my life, and yeah. ultimately give purpose to my life much more than uh, what I was doing. And it's been the best thing I've done. And then when I heard your podcast, I was like, I need to connect with this guy because well, what you're you. doing is helping so many people. And you know, in my years as a doctor, and in my years in astrology. I see one thing over and over again. Everybody is suffering, okay? People, and I'm sure many of the people listening to your show understand this, you can look on the outside like everything is perfect. And inside, you're one step away from suicide or one step away from the whole world falling apart. Or yep. somebody on that one day says the wrong word to you, you're gonna have a complete mental breakdown. Yeah. And I saw this over and over again. And, you know, at one level in medicine, what can you do? You can give people an antidepressant medicine or other things like that, which sometimes help, but doesn't really do, doesn't get to the fundamental root cause of what the issue is. Right. And, uh, because there's a disconnect from the spirit, a disconnect from the divine in modern medicine. And when I was able to, connect that more deeply in people's lives uh, through my work recently, that has been transforming for people and transforming for me also. So that's kind of my story on how uh, I got to this point in my life. Right. Yeah. It reminds me, you know, um, I, I say this when I talk about what, when I came into the 12 steps that they were using this term saying that we were spiritually sick 
And that's what Bill Wilson says in the book, you know, and, and I initially thought that they were telling me that, you know, that I was kind of being condemned because I wasn't participating in religion properly or in the right religion and all that. Uh, and, and they were right if that was the case, but that's not what they were saying. What I've come to find out is that that's the root of what was going on behind me self-medicating myself was that my very spirit, my soul was sick. It was ill, you know, and I was carrying pain and trauma and things like that in it and didn't know how, didn't have any tools to be able to uh, reconcile and heal that. Uh, once I used these 12 steps to do that, uh, then no longer did I have this obsession where I had to put stuff, you know, in me, you know, and that was just the abstinence was just step one, you know, that's not step one in the 12 steps, but that was the beginning was to how to, how to stop drinking. And then it became a spiritual growth type of uh, trajectory where, you know, once I got to feeling so good, so quick. Uh, that I just wanted to find other things that would, you know, there were other areas where I could grow in, and, um, you know, ran into yoga and started practicing uh, pretty solid yoga practice. And then started finding out that there's a whole lot more to yoga than the poses. And, right. you know, and, and uh, it's just uh, one thing after another. And so um, I'm, I really like what you're saying on that, you know, the spiritual connection, this divine thing that's missing. And, and that runs a lot of people out of my, uh, support groups a minute you bring that up and I, and I can relate to it because I all of a sudden, you know, whatever it is that, that is, and I think it's particularly in the Western world is that when you start talking about spirit, I immediately connect it to religion and I've got something behind me in my past someplace that causes me to reject that and walk away from something that is going to, is going to help me, but I've got that block up. And that's everywhere because what happens is that a lot of people in their growing up, and this is one thing I talk a lot about is habits and the power of habits and experiences. And a lot of people they've seen in their past, people who practice so-called religion or some type of spirituality end up unfortunately showing hypocrisy and things that are said are not done. And yeah. they see these results. Well, this person is saying these things, but what I'm seeing is the complete opposite. So people get, uh, um, it's a mixed signal. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, and, oh, uh, I don't want anything to do with this. So absolutely. And this yeah. is everywhere. Yeah. It's in the West, it's in the East, it's all over the world. People have a negative reaction many ways to religion. Yeah. Um, well, you know, around here, we automatically believe that I'm, when I'm bringing them 12 step tools, the immediate thought is, is that I'm bringing them a Christian God to, Right. You know, and and that's right. not what we do. You know, where we actually have this thing where you, know, you get to have your own conception of God that we really mean that, you know, we really do. You get to form this own your own relationship, your own reliance on that. And you get to write the rules, you know, to some extent. I always have to tell people now, you know, right from wrong inside of here, you know, so you can't start writing these rules that are contrary to what you're what you know, down deep inside. But yeah. um and this is, this is absolutely the reality that each person, each one of us has a very unique and individual relationship with the divine. But at the same time, because that divine energy, the soul is in each of us, we are all related to each other in that way. And this includes every man and animal and plant and the earth itself and the universe. There's a divine connection that flows through all of us. And to the degree in our life, that we can become aware of that connection by following spiritual paths. We overcome a lot of the difficulties and frustrations that are in our life. The things that keep us bound down, that keep our mind heavy and depressed and anxious and ultimately lead to 
substance abuse, whether it's you know drugs or alcohol or gambling or sex or money or so many things that people are are bound to or being abusive to others. And yep. many times we see that those things are all related. Yeah, and some people are just suffering from like some like misery. You know, there's just a matter of just not being. You know, they're really not getting into any particular bad. They're not. You know, nobody wants to really hang around with them because they're no fun. Uh, but it's just some kind of, I see it when you, when you move around the world, you'll see these people that their eyes are just turned off. They're like zombies. You know, they don't look like there's anything in particular going on with them. You know, they don't, they're to Kroger's or buying food for their family and doing this kind of stuff, but they're just blank stare. They're like empty. Yeah. They're just, I think that's the absolute right word to use. Their lives are just empty because there's nothing there or nothing there that's meaningful. And I see that in people who on the outside look like they do have everything, people with good jobs making, you know, six figures and they're still miserable. You know, still they have a wife, they have kids. They still, they look like they have the perfect life, but really that suffering is everywhere. And the reason is we're trying to make a connection with something that is permanent because, and we can't find that so much in this world because the nature of each individual person, our greatest need is to love and to be loved. And when we can find that somewhere, where we can find that permanently, then we will be eternally satisfied. Yeah. And the way we find that is through creating a divine connection, because nothing in the world is going to give you eternal, pure, and unending love. But spirituality will. And that's where the difference is when we go searching for things. If we search for things in this world to make us whole, whether that's something that we think is good, like getting the best job or a great education or marrying the right person, or it's in drugs or alcohol or somewhere in between. Yep. None of those things are going to give us a permanent satisfaction because at some point, all of those things do end or they lead us to more trouble. The newness wears off of the new car and, you know, it's the, where's the Absolutely. next new car, the new, the newness wears off of the relationship once you've caught her and, you know, and, and yeah, so you have to have, uh, um, you know, those things aren't sustainable, but this connection, this divine connection is sustainable. It can be nurtured and, and, and maintained. You know, we say in 12 steps that, you know, our, we're, we're, we have a daily reprieve based on our, on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. You know, it's that we one day at a time. If I maintenance my spiritual condition, this doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean anything in spe specifically. That can be wide open to each individual's what what they what what their practices are or, or what they do. But I have to spend some time in that uh, on, on a daily basis, or that that connection begins to fade if I don't. You know, I, I start to lose it if I don't continue to nurture it. That's right. In the Vedic tradition losing that connection, that's called maya or illusion, okay? It means that we have a spiritual connection and sometimes we feel very charged in that and we, we feel it. But if we don't recharge that battery every once in a while or stay connected, then the things of this world, maya basically means that which is not, or that which is not reality. These things kind of start to overcome us. These things include anger and envy and fear and depression and the desire to be king of the universe and everything in my life is perfect or if I just do this one more thing it'll become perfect so many things start to kind of take over us yeah. and then that kind of covers up our relationship with the divine 
And that's especially important when we uh, want to make that connection deeper. Because if we stay too much in the mental platform, as we say, too much in the mind, too much in I need to do this, I need to do that, rather than, you know, as the first step says that we are powerless in this situation, that, you know, these demons can sometimes control us like alcohol and other things. That if we allow for the fact that the divine Lord is there and he will help us through all of this, if we just allow for his guidance. And it's actually people who are suffering and struggling, who actually have the greatest ability to understand what this world is really. And so many people who are out there who are listening will understand what I mean. It's only, you know, when you first take a drink or you first gamble or you first take drugs, it's not like you expect, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, but five years from now, two years from now, my life is going to be horrible. No, nobody does that. No. Don't think that. We think, oh, I can do this. I can handle it. This is going to do nothing to me. It's not. Yeah, you know. I can handle it. And what's happened to that guy won't happen to me. I'm different. I'm unique. That's what we all we all think the same thing. Yeah. But what happens is at some point when we get to the bottom or bottom enough that we realize I am powerless in this situation. All my strengths, all my power, everything I have has not allowed me to be successful. That's when we have the unique ability more than people who are living a comfortable middle-class life who have everything. We have, in that position of suffering have the greatest opportunity to turn to God yeah. and say, my dear Lord, please help me. There's a story from the Mahabharata. Mahabharata is a very ancient epic from India. This is about 5,000 years old. In there, there's a story of a queen named Draupadi. Draupadi was the born a princess, commanded armies, very beautiful, very intelligent, powerful woman who had everything. She had five husbands who were the most powerful kings. And due to the effects of time, everything was lost. Okay. And Everything was lost. And what happened on top, she's a very chaste woman, very noble. And what happened is that the enemies of their kingdom captured her and they brought her before the entire courts and they tried to take her clothes, off, which for a chaste woman or for any woman, it's a great you know, loss, a great dishonor. And uh, so, she, they were pulling at her clothes and trying to take them off. And she wore, in those times, what is called a sari, which is like a long, you may have seen Indian women wearing those, okay? And they were pulling it and trying to take it off. And she was struggling and fighting against it, that I can stop this. But after a few minutes of these, you know, powerful warriors trying to take her clothes off, she realized, I cannot do anything about this. So instead, she put her, she surrendered to God. And by submitting herself to God, what she did is she threw her hands up in the air, let go of her clothes, and just said, my dear Lord, please help me. Please protect me in my most difficult and dangerous situation. And then they kept pulling at her clothes, pulling at her clothes, 
but they never ended. Her sari never ended. It was unending and her clothes never came off. And eventually they gave up. So this is the situation many of us have to find ourselves in. The situation of basically being powerless. And when we turn to God in that situation, and we can talk in more detail about how we turn to God and what we do when we turn to God and how we stay turned toward God, because sometimes it's easy to turn when things are bad. And as soon as things become good, we're like, okay, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, we call it so, you know, the jailhouse uh, prayers and the hospital prayers. And when you're, you know, and those kind of things, and then, you know, two or three days later, you're right back to doing what you used to do. That's a, it reminds me of a joke I heard a few years ago where somebody's in New York city and he's looking for a parking spot and then he can't find one. And then he prays to God and says, Oh, my dear Lord, if you just find me a parking spot, I'll be yours forever. I'll do whatever you want. Then all of a sudden, right in front of him, there's a parking spot. And he looks up again and says, okay, God, never mind. I found one myself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, this, is, uh, this is sometimes what happens. But if we stay connected, especially from those moments of suffering, and yeah. we realize the nature of this world, that that suffering is everywhere for us and for everybody else. And we maintain that connection. And truly, all the religions of the world say the same thing, whether it's the yogis or the saints or the prophets of the Old Testament or Jesus, you know, or Muhammad, yeah. Krishna, you know, Buddha, everybody is basically saying the same thing. That this world is a temporary place. It's a place of struggle. It's a place where there will naturally be suffering because your body's gonna, even if everything else is perfect, one day you're gonna get old, you're gonna die, there's gonna be diseases, there's gonna be tornadoes and hurricanes, other people can cause you problems. These things are always going to be. Those situations we can't control, right? We can't control the situations in our life for the most part. Uh, but what we can choose is how we respond to a situation. So if we respond to a situation with frustration, so you have a difficult situation, you respond to it with frustration and anger and depression and why is this happening to me? And then because of that anger, we start drinking or we start doing other things. Well, that creates a whole negative cycle that leads in one direction. If we respond to that situation in a more holistic and divine consciousness with a wider understanding, saying, my dear Lord, this situation is very difficult for me. I lost my job. My wife is leaving me. My husband cheated on me. My kids are taking drugs. Whatever the situation is. This is very difficult for me. Please help me get through this. And please show me what you want me to learn through this challenge in my life. Then we're taking our difficulty and we're giving it to the Lord and having him take care of it. Now, we still have to do our part, of course, but he gives us the guidance and the strength to get through things. Uh, and when we use that divine intelligence to make choices, in, in Hinduism or in the Eastern scriptures, and even in the Western, this concept of karma. And karma basically means the choices we've made in the past are creating the situations we have now. And the choices we make now will create the situations we have in the future. So it's about making those right choices, and that's about creating the right habits in our life. 
Yeah, that's uh, you know, when we do our inventory work and is basically going back and looking at the karma we've created and what's caused us to be where we are here today, you know, because another uh, one of the things it's like when you go to an amusement park or a state park or a forest and you see the big map and it says you are here, you know, that's right. Uh, you know, if they give me that map and they don't tell me where I'm at, you know, I may be wanting to go see this particular thing over there, but if they don't tell me where I'm at, I cannot possibly get to where I'm going on that map. And that's similar to what this inventory process lets, allows me to see where I'm at to, you know, that's the you are here uh, button uh, or, or sticker today. And uh, it is an interesting thing that I, I, I you know, Buddha was, you know, that the life is suffering, right? And, uh, and and then also with you learn about his travels as a child and how he was protected from seeing all this stuff, this impermanence. And as he went out and got snuck out into the world, he started getting peaks at these different things that happened as illness and aging and and other things and getting exposed to that. Uh, but that bottom, that pain threshold, it's that it, everybody's is different, similar to just like how with our connection to our higher power to the divine is different. This pain tolerance level is different with everybody, you know, and, and if you can like um, until I actually hit, I thought I hit a bottom, but it really, I, and I heard somebody else say this, when I, when I hit my bottom, I found there was a trap door in it and there was actually a bottom <laughs> below that one. And, uh, and it's a, uh, I guess it's that surrender concept that you're actually a, at that point to where you actually are truly with your heart, not just in the jail cell saying, help me. But when you actually have got that level of pain in your heart that where you say it and, and it's, and it's true today when you actually ask the divine to help and listen, uh, I, I, I just, you know, with, I was telling you about the TSSR meeting at the beginning of this, that there's a lot of people that come in there that haven't hit the kind of bottoms that alcoholics and drug addicts have hit. You know, right. well, I was I was looking at a whole bunch of I was looking at six to 20 years in prison for some stuff I did. And, uh, you know, I was backed into a corner and and really had no escape. But in, and I didn't think this connection to higher power stuff and all that was going to help me. But it's really the only avenue I had. You know, there was nothing else being offered to me. And uh, and it turned out that that put me in that position where I truly did uh, sincerely ask the universe to help me out of the situation, you know, but I had to do my work, you know, and it, what does, it didn't happen that no lightning struck. And then all of a sudden, poof, it was all gone. Uh, there was a evolution to come out of it. And that was all based on some uh, spiritual maintenance and spiritual uh, uh, a walk in that direction. That doesn't start easy. But um, my point there is, is this pain that we have to seem because if everything is, if I think I'm still managing everything, I won't go to that depth uh, where I'm truly asking for, for help. Uh, that is correct. That's absolutely right. We have to, it's always a choice, right? Becoming a spiritual person, turning to the divine for help. It's always a choice. So we can be shown the door, but of course we have to choose whether we want to continue. And if on the same painful, difficult path that we're on, or choose a route that leads to, eternal happiness, bliss, and satisfaction. If we choose to go on the spiritual route, after a life of suffering, or even otherwise, but usually after we have some difficulties when this comes, then we become the most fortunate and happy people in the universe. Yeah. This is the reality because 
Once we choose to follow the spiritual path in a very serious way, then the path of spiritual love opens wide for us. Yeah. Now, if we're open, that path is shown to us, but we choose to go back to what we were doing or kind of stay in the middle as much as we can, then unfortunately we continue to suffer and go through yeah. difficulty. And so it's always our choice, but that choice can be something that can absolutely transform us and make us the most fortunate people in the universe. Yeah, I was That's just talking about it's a life. We were having this conversation last night. I go spend Sunday nights with my sponsor and we were talking this stuff and he's since over 37 years. And I, he wrote the book I was telling you about where he took the teachings of 12 step. He had multiple 12 step teachers yeah. and he was able to gather all this. And, and, and it's a lot of it is um, tribal knowledge, more or less, you know, it's just been passed down from people because it's not in the original writing and all that. And, uh, but to get people to understand it, like it's still funny to have this fight where somebody is like at the bottom of their, you know, they, they've got the book says are their, their problems are piled up so deep. They could hardly think to solve them all. You know, it's just, everything is, is going to crap. And you say, Hey, uh, I have, I have a way out of there. Really. It worked for me. And this is my buddy so-and-so and see it worked for him. And here's another friend. And we all meet up on Tuesday nights and you can hear us talk about it. And we're all real, you know, you can see the energy in all of us and people will look over there and they're like, I don't know. I don't think I, you know, and they'll still, they'll still hesitate. You know, it's a, uh, another thing on the big book says the, uh, the spiritual path is not an easy path to take, you know, and it is, but there's, it's, it's a hard, that's a big decision. That's a hard decision for a human being to say, okay, I'm actually going to, and you said something a minute ago, I'm not going to play on the fringes anymore of this. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to move to the middle and get in the middle of it rather than stay on the perimeter because the perimeter, uh, you know, it, that's that's not a place to be there. I, I always say that if I got pushed into a point where I had to push all my chips to the middle of the table. And when I actually said, I'm all in, here's all, here's everything, take it. Then that's when my life started, the tra trajectory of my life started changing. Now I can't, you know, at the time, I don't know any of that, right? I see all this in the rearview mirror. Uh, at the time, I didn't. I didn't know the, the change I had signed up for. I didn't even really know that I'd done it. Uh, right. I just, I just, I actually had a moment of surrender. And that's all it takes. One moment, especially a moment in the association of the right people. Okay. If you have the right people come to you at the right time and tell you, just like you're doing, Hey, come to our meeting. This will change your life. It'll help you. We don't want anything from you, you know, this type of thing. It's only going to help. If in that moment a person is fortunate, if their mind inclines them towards making the right choice, their life will be transformed. And unfortunately, because of previous habits or experiences, or they're not bad enough yet in their life, or their ego is too puffed up, any of these reasons, they may not make the right choice at that time. And all we can do is pray that. When the time comes, they do make the right choice. Yeah. Know? All we can do for people. Yeah. Like. That's a, uh, it's a, it's an odd feeling though when people come in, like as a new guy comes into our meeting or I meet a new guy and he's having trouble. Like when his troubles are really bad, it makes me happy. Cause I'm like, all right, you're, you know, you, you have actually the key to this kingdom here. Uh, if, you know, if a guy just had a bad weekend or his girlfriend broke up with him or something like that, it's like, wow, I don't know if that's going to be enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> in our suffering, and actually the people who've gone through the sufferings, who've hit rock bottom through whatever reason is, and there's so many reversals that happen in this world, whichever way you've hit your rock bottom through, the process of turning towards spiritual life can transform you and make you stronger and more powerful than anybody else on this earth. And that's your greatest fortune. So in that way, you can look at spirituality or turning to the divine path, which is a reality that's there. We're just not always aware of it. You can see that being the greatest and most fortunate blessing in your life. That you, a lot of times people will look at their difficulties when they're going through them and they'll think, God, my life sucks. I'd rather be dead. This is horrible. Why is this happening to me? But five years later, when they're through it, when they've transformed their life, they'll look at it and say, my dear Lord, this was the greatest blessing you've given me in them. Yep. Yep. What I thought was the worst thing could ever happen to me turned out to be the biggest blessing ever. And you hear that over and over again when people have a... Uh, when they get to that point and then that, that actually was the, you know, the way we stood at a turning point point. we could pick a direction or that direction. And because of the level of pain we were carrying, uh, we chose this direction and, and life's change, you know, and um, when we say you talked about the powerlessness uh, and, you know, we come in and I am powerless and I had to realize, you know, in, in my program, they'll tell me I'm out powerless over alcohol and drugs, but I learned that I'm powerless over regular, really nearly everything. Right. But by becoming powerless, I actually tap into this power <laughs> that, uh, you know, so now today I feel powerful, you know, yes. uh, I feel to some extent that I'm in control of my destiny. I'm not just bopping along like a pinball on a pinball machine, bouncing off of whatever circumstance I happen to bump into on a particular day. Uh, I feel like I have purpose and direction in my life. And I also have a, uh, a true reliance that I know that if I, if I do, if I, if I continue on the path I'm on, I'm going to be okay. I'm probably gonna be better than okay. Cause I leave room for better than okay. Not just okay. Uh, and and empowerment so yeah. it's like operating on a different plane you know it's like the matrix you know the movie about right. you know once you kind of when you've plugged into this spiritual realm uh it is it, it is it's it's like you know and when i say that i i'd be real careful that i'm not that i'm not putting out there that means i'm better and i'm not like elevating myself above anybody else that is not at all because i believe this is available to everyone i know this is available to everyone uh but there is we're operating on a different plane so like when me and my buddies go do something like we will go do stuff and it's like the skids are greased for us. You know, we, we went up to Colorado hunting a couple of weeks ago and everything goes great because we're got positive attitude and we know we're attached to the power and we're, we've given up on the outcome. You know, we're not here for an outcome. We will let, let God handle the outcome. We're just out here taking the action. And then when it's over with, you turn around and you go, wow, that was super cool. You know, and I look at seeing how uh, that, if you would interview all of us and sit like the three of us that went elk hunting, if you set us down and talk to us and try to like get to like what our higher power is to us and what it means, you know, there's no correlation in the three of us. You know, we all have our own thing, but when we come together, it's like a magnified of that power, you know, uh, that I'll say in our means, you know, that we're more powerful together than we are separate individually. So then you get a whole group of you tied in and, and, and uh, connected, then you can just feel the energy in the air. Yes, this is the power of association of the type of people you're around. You know, uh, if you uh, want to be a certain way, 
you know, you hang out with people who are like that. If you hang out with people who are intelligent, you will become intelligent. You want to be successful, be around successful people. If you want to be a thief or a drunkard, well, hang around with those people. You'll get there too. Yeah. Yep. We are a product of our environment. You know, uh, we were saying. We create our habits that our habits create us. That's what happens. uh, You know, what you said earlier about, uh, you know, when we become very painful, go through so much difficulties, the time we have to transform. It reminds me of the poet Rumi who said, uh, it is only through our wounds that the light can enter, you know? So it's really through our difficulties that this transformation can take place. Um, So this is a very fortunate position for all of us to be in. in Yeah. 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 I have to, I have to, I have to like be broken to be, Rebuilt, sort unfortunately, of. Unfortunately, I've heard that light shining get uh, attributed to a number of different spiritual teachers. Uh, I think it is actually that rooted in the in roomies. Uh, I have a uh, one of my sponsees and a best friend of mine uh, had a daughter a couple years ago, and they named her Rumi. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, very nice. Yeah, he's uh, so uh. You know, we can talk, you know, I know there's an element of this pain. It seems to be a, uh, uh, it's, it has to be part of the equation. It seems like, and I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true because some people find, you know, there, there's people out there that find their way without having to reach, you know, where some of us have to go. Uh, if I could have a, you know, and if I stole this from a speaker, I heard if I could give anybody like people who come into my circles and uh, if I could give them anything, if there's any one thing that I could give them, it'd be a, that gift of desperation, that desperation of a drowning man. You know, I, I wouldn't give them the help, you know, in the all the good stuff. I would give them the desperation because that's what seems to take to enter the door. I think uh, uh, I think all the spiritual teachings tend to, to, to talk about that, too. You know, like, um, you know, that. And I've lost one. Uh, there's one attributed to Jesus about having to be, you know, the lowest of us, and uh, we have to get down to that brokenness in order to to actually be open to this connecting up with this divine power. Um, it is because when someone becomes too puffed up, where Jesus says it's easier to pass a camel through the there you go needle than for a rich man who's infatuated with his wealth. To enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't mean that just because someone is rich or they've never suffered or haven't had problems, they won't, uh, they can't have this divine spiritual energy. What it comes down to is, is our ego, our puffedness, our desire to be a king or God and be the Lord and control everything. And once we get over that, if we do, then we have that chance. So even yeah. in, you know, as you mentioned, there's some people who don't have to go through those difficulties. And really what I see is three different types of people. There are some people who, you know, if you tell them, okay, don't touch that fire, it's gonna burn you. They'll believe you and they'll just be like, okay, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Some who are gonna be like, well, I'm gonna to touch that fire, I don't believe you. They'll touch it, then they'll realize they got burned and they're like, okay, I'm not gonna to touch it anymore. Then there's a third group who is going to keep touching that fire over and over again, no matter what you say. And those are the people that sometimes, 
need to go through a little more suffering before they kind of transform their lives. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, not all of them do. They don't all make that proper choice for the, but that opportunity is always there. Yeah, and, the big book, big book has a line in it about touching the hot stove and then doing it again and saying, "Here, I'm a here's a, it's not going to burn me this time, and I'll tell you how." Uh, and that is uh, is where we go. And then you know, um, but what happens too is people actually go past that, you know, even past that, you know, and and, and I, just over the past since Friday, I have become aware of three people, young people who have died of overdoses. One of them was a drinking and driving crash, and I'm not sure about the other one. The only thing was said is that uh, this disease, he's a, his death was a result of this disease, and I don't know exactly the particulars. But, you know, some people uh, don't, you know, they don't learn that lesson. And and I'm, I have some openness to reincarnation and, and, and ongoing life and wondering about those type of things. Like, you know, I had to learn this story. And if I don't, you know, it's kind of like game over and reset to the beginning. And I got to do it again until I pass these tests and learn these lessons, uh, old souls and new souls and um, so that's, that gives me, that makes me think when I see these tragic stories, cause it's just everywhere of people, you know, they've touched that hot stove so many times. And then one time, especially today with, uh, the drugs that are out there today, uh, with the fentanyl lace stuff and, uh, you know, that one touch of the stove, uh, can incinerate you. That's right. It's much stronger now than it was 20 years ago, you know, and marijuana, some cocaine, but now it's, you're at a whole new level with the yep. Yeah, I run into some, you know, we actually have people come in and they're, they're addicted to marijuana. They just are, you know, and there's some teachings out there that says that marijuana is not addictive and blah, blah, blah. But um, first thing I'll say is this ain't your grandpa's marijuana. You know, this, this stuff that's out there today is a whole nother breed of uh, 21st century uh, marijuana. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, it, it's, it takes a hold of people. Uh, my, my sponsor is a treat. He's a counselor at a treatment center also. And, uh, and just a fantastic guy. I mean, he just, he can, he has a way to put things into words that touches alcoholics and addicts and gets them to kind of open up their minds instead of having the wall up and everything. But, uh, the amount of people coming to treatment today, just simply for marijuana, you know, and they don't think they have a problem, uh, but they've got, you know, they failed a drug test at work and in order to keep their job, they have to go to treatment, you know, but they don't think, you know, they're just going through the motions to keep their job and, don't think that they have a problem with the stuff and you say well how about you put it down for a little while then tell me if you have a problem you know that's the quickest way to uh see if you if something if, if you're addicted to something try to stop uh see is, how you feel and this is ego and the ego is sometimes the thing that keeps us from you know ego is similar to when jesus talked about the rich man infatuated with his wealth this is ego you know yeah unless we're able to submit and when we have an ego that basically means that we think we're god we can do everything we have the power we're not willing to accept anything higher than us even if we may go to church or something every once in a while you know we go on sunday but the next day we're back to our same old self this is uh and unless that ego either by getting smashed or by our own intelligence gets uh some understanding that okay maybe i'm not the supreme and maybe God is guiding things until that time happens. We'll continue to suffer in one way or another. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think we're all taught too. you know, and I, and I believe this and I don't think it's faulty teaching on purpose. Cause that's another thing I believe is that some of the stuff that lessons and the things we've been taught aren't really serving us, you know, uh, 
you know, the, if you just try hard enough, uh, you can do anything, you know, and, and those are good. Like, you know, that's great to like grow kids and to get them to have positive attitudes and believe in themselves and all that. But, uh, that ego takes that and starts thinking that I'm managing everything. You know, I joke around that, you know, at some point I had to take off my master of the universe cape and retire it. Cause, uh, I thought that I was dry in charge of everything that was going on in my, in my perimeter. And uh, to learn that that the fundamental of that powerlessness to be able to say, OK, I'm going to let all this go. Uh, and you find out you're not so damned important uh, <laughs> that the world keeps on cooking, even if I'm not around. Yeah, uh, work hard, do all kinds of things, you know, all the things that we think are the right thing to do, you yeah. know, but they still suffer. They still go through difficulties. They still get diseases. They still have family problems. So you're absolutely right. Everything is important of course we have to work toward our goals of course we shouldn't be lazy but we have to understand there's some people who do all those things but are still not successful and i see this a lot when i do my astrological readings for people that and i'll tell them look you have this karma here that unless we do something to change this that you're going to work hard on all these things that and it just won't get you anywhere in your life and and then we do things to transform how that karma manifests. But basically, we have a degree of enjoyment and a degree of suffering in this world. Yep. And, you know, we have our quota of those things. And yep. then we can use both the good and the bad to become elevated, to rise above that. Otherwise, whether you're, you know, a billionaire or just a regular person or someone who's homeless, you're basically... We're all in a cage. One's in a golden cage. One's in a silver cage. One's is in a iron cage. You know, but we're all still going through the same things. And until that transformation takes place, that makes us see the world in its reality. Because what we really see now, all going on around us, most people, or a lot of people at least, know in their heart that okay, something in this whole world is just not right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. They can't put their finger on what it is supposed to be. And they're not sure they anybody knows what it's supposed to be, but they know this is not it. Okay, right. this is not the way people are meant to live. We're meant to be happy and peaceful and get along and be kind to each other. And but our habits are that that come with us, and our habits come from our own experiences, the things that we do in life, our religion, our culture, our society, the people around us, all those habits cause us to behave in certain ways. Even if we know those ways are not good for us, you know, like when yep. we start drinking yep. or start taking drugs where we start smoking. We know lung cancer is out there. We know cirrhosis is out there. We know people who are dying of these things. And we know people who OD on, you know, fentanyl and heroin and everything else, but we still do it. This is our yep. habits that cause us to behave like this. And until you remove the root cause of those habits, and that root cause is we is our ego and our desire to be the Lord of the universe, or to say or everything is under our control, that we are the center of all enjoyment. And instead of saying, you know what, maybe God is the center of everything, and I am here to do my best to serve him. Yeah. And when we develop that understanding, which slowly can happen. Uh, in some cases can happen very quickly. When we have that understanding, then, as you said earlier, you become empowered, you become strong, 
Because when that divine energy that's already inside of you opens up, that well opens up, then all of a sudden everything that you do becomes ecstatic. It becomes full of positive energy. It becomes blissful. Even the most mundane tasks like, you know, taking a walk, spending time with your family, getting the mail, grocery shopping, whatever it may be, going to Kroger's or Myers or wherever you go. All of that becomes transforming. You know, every step becomes like a dance in your life. And this is the power of tapping into the divine. And if you want to see how fortunate you really are in this world, this is what I tell everybody when they're really struggling. If you want to see how fortunate you are, see how many things you have that money can't buy. And if you have all those things that money can't buy, you have all the fortune in the world because money will come and money will go. Happiness, satisfaction, peace, love of those people around you. These are the things that will keep your life satisfied. And then, you know, you can share that with so many other people, which is also very important as it's in the steps also about, you know, we share what we have with so many others if we can. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fully, uh, I feel fully that, uh, uh, I can't have a I can't have a fulfilled life unless I am actively giving back. That I have to be having areas in my life that I'm doing for in in expecting nothing in return. Uh, I have to you know my 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 particular thing is doing things like this podcast and carrying this twelve step message and sponsoring guys and you know helping people uh, in in this community. You know some people would throw the world's troubles on my in my front door now and again. You know and want to talk about you know politics and covid you know and and my favorite thing is this guy you know i don't have any idea what to do about any of that but you know uh that guy right there i can help that one guy you know one at a time i can help him i can i can make that guy's life better i can't change the world but i can help him if he'll accept the help um it's that that ego thing you know in uh 12 steps too it says our self-centeredness our selfish self-centered that's our that's the root of our problem uh, there's a line in the book that says that, you know, and that's that, you know, I always joke around that guys go around singing me, 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 because they can't see anything else. But but how is this going to affect me? And where's where's my uh, where's my payoff in this particular activity? And where's my payoff here? And, uh, you know, and then begin to start playing the victim role because you didn't get what you thought you deserved. And, uh, and it just becomes all about me. And, and uh, one of my very favorite lines in the big book, it says, uh, uh, he has found that he has barely scratched a limitless load that will pay dividends the rest of his life if he will only give the entire product away. Beautiful. And Beautiful. it's one of my favorite, favorite lines there, because once I've got this thing, I, you know, there's another, that's another, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, everything I, most of all my knowledge is 12 step based, you know, but I do poke around and that's another one of the uh, uh, fundamental things is that, you know, you got to give it away to keep it right. That's, you know, uh, that's very powerful. There's something we talk about, it called spiritual mathematics and uh, see material mathematics is that you want to keep everything for yourself, take it from everybody else and keep it all for yourself. This is the material. This is how we do our life. If you give something away, well, you're losing it and somebody else is going to take it. Well, spiritual mathematics is exactly the opposite. The more you give, the more you'll get. Mm -hmm. The more you share with others, the more you're 
bank account increases. And yep. this is the real value of spirituality. It's unending, it's eternal. And the more we share it with others, it only transforms and grows. Yep. And because everybody's life changes. And whether we change one life or a million lives doesn't really make a difference. Nope. It's just that we do our part. Right. You know, whether you're J.D. Rockefeller, who's, uh, you know, building all kinds of uh, fancy things and helping people. One of the Rockefeller's descendants became a Buddhist monk and he was doing all kinds of, uh, um, you know, projects and giving them money and helping them. And then you have, uh, you know, someone who may be working at that Buddhist temple and they're just uh, cleaning the floors. It really doesn't make a difference. It doesn't. But we're doing things with a proper consciousness of our understanding of our relationship with the divine. When we have that understanding, whatever we do, done without ego, with only a sense of love and service to others, only with that mood, like you said, of helping other people, as being the servant of the servant of the servant. When yeah. we do things in that mood, our life will become transformed. And the people around us will be touched and be transformed. Yep. Well, I was uh, thinking while we were we were hitting that, and uh, and uh, and man, it, it touched me, and and I, and I think I've lost it. It'll come back if I keep on talking about something else, and I'll have to come back to it. It was right there on the tip of my tongue, and I and I lost it. Um. So we we kind of talk about this, and we know that. You, what I'll get asked is, it's like, and and I don't know the answer to this, and I don't know that there is an answer to this, but like to actually, you know, I've, the, I'll use the statement, how do I surrender? How do I let it go? You know, because we say things like, well, just let it, you know, to let it go to God, let it, you know, don't attach yourself to this. Uh, and, and that's where I was getting ready. That's actually the thing was this this material thing and this attachment to our material goods that that we just get really attached to. But to to you know, and we can kind of let go of the like I can I can grasp mentally how to let go of something that's that's physical in my world. But like to to let go of the things that are because we're still going to have problems. You know, this is not uh, do this and the rest of your life is all roses and uh, I'll you say it's all rainbows and unicorn farts. It's uh. It's, it's not because you're still going to have difficulties. But what I find is my life today that those difficulties aren't, they don't weigh as much. If you put them on a scale, they're just not as heavy anymore. You know, I can walk through things, difficult things much easier today and without having, uh, you know, like uh, making it end up being a huge setback. But that just came from practicing. It, that's right. It comes from practice. I'll use an analogy to kind of help explain how this, uh, to see this a little better. If you go to the ocean, okay, at the ocean, you have the waves that are constantly coming in. And the waves are hitting up against the rocks over and over again. And uh, if you're sitting on those rocks and these big 20-foot waves are coming, okay, and they're going to bash you and bash you and bash you over and over again. And one of those waves is fear, depression, trouble with your health, financial problem, trouble with your work, criticism or dishonor from other people, alcohol problem, drug problem, gambling problem, problem with your kids, you name it. There's so many waves that are constantly coming into our life. And if we're sitting on those rocks, they will smash us over and over again. Now, if you go 20 feet below the surface of the ocean, 
what do you have? You have a very gentle current that's flowing. And that current is your individual relationship with the divine. The deeper you tap into that current and allow that current to flow through you. It's not that the problems on the surface are not going on, they are. But you perceive those problems in a very different way. Yeah. You deal with those problems in a very different way, in a way that doesn't bewilder the mind, in a way that allows you to permanently remove those problems. So the key is not so much becoming detached from the things of this world, but becoming more deeply attached to the divine. And as we become more deeply attached to the divine, then naturally these things will fall away from our life. And how do we become more deeply attached to the divine? This is explained in all the scriptures and it fundamentally comes down to one thing. In the Bible, Jesus says, hallowed be thy name. You know, the names of God are very powerful. In the Quran, it says that the name of Allah should be on everyone who becomes a Muslim, you know, on their lips. And in the Vedas, it speaks that the divine names of the Lord are very powerful. So the process is hearing and repeating the names of God, okay? Whether it's Jesus or Allah or Krishna or Rama or Buddha, whatever you use, using a process of meditation, okay? And when we follow a particular path and follow the regulations related to that path, as we understand them, okay? What happens is that the transformation takes place. As we meditate, what happens? Okay, what does the word yoga mean? The word yoga means union, connection with God. Okay, so what happens is that the things that are keeping us from developing our full understanding of our relationship with God will start to disappear. And what are those things? They are lust and anger and greed and envy and fear and depression and ego and so many other things that are within us that we don't want there, but we know they're there and we think, oh, I can't do anything about these things. But what happens when we start to follow a path of meditation or chanting or prayer or yoga that goes deeper than the exercises as you discussed, a transformation takes place. Love replaces lust. Greed is replaced by service. Pride is replaced by humility and mental fears and worries and depression are replaced by courage. This is a natural result of following the divine path. And the more we follow that path, the deeper this becomes to the point where we tap fully or as fully as we can understand into that divine transformation. And at that point, our attachment to the divine is so strong, so powerful, so irrevocable, that uh, the attachment to the things of this world simply melts away because we are always, it's natural to be attached to something, okay? If we attach ourselves to something permanent, then the things of this world will naturally fall away. You know, the Bible speaks of the things of this world, the treasures of this world are thieves, rust, and moths will take them over, you know? Yeah. But yeah. in heaven, the treasures are not touched by thieves, rust, and moths. So this is the things that we have to focus on. Make our treasure with the divine. Yeah. Place your foundation in something that 
will never go away, will transform your life, and will make you the happiest, most blissful, and fortunate person. And that fortune does not come from having millions and billions of dollars or many you know, initials behind your name that tells you how many academic credentials you have or the type of car you drive or the fancy clothes you have or the political position you have or whatever it may be. It comes simply from allowing ourselves to become a servant of the divine. And when we do that, and we don't like, nobody likes the word servant. Yes. So that's not the you know, word we need to use. Uh, but I don't want people to see it in that context. When we serve the Lord, we become the most powerful person in the world. Okay, So it's not that you have to sit there and wait on somebody and, oh, let me shine your shoes and get you, you know, another, another drink or whatever. No, it's not like that. It means when we serve the Lord, it means that we take his wisdom, the scriptures that we have, he has given us, and we take those to transform our own life. And then we can guide others through that same way. And that transformation, that when you become a servant of God, you actually become the most powerful person in the universe. And this is how we have to see it. So not a negative context. Oh, well, I don't want to serve anybody. I don't want to be a servant to anybody. But if we really think about it, each of us are serving all day long. You're yep. serving your boss. You're serving your family. You're serving your own bodily needs. Yeah, you're serving yourself. You're serving yourself. You know, you're serving your kids. You're always serving, whether you want yep. to or not. It's always there. Yep. So find that service where this is going to be transforming to your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To find that, uh, you know, obviously, say, help God's other children, you know, That's right. uh, help somebody. Uh, you, you said that that consciousness a little bit ago and talking about being, we were talking some things about um, you know, where my focus is too. I find that's just hugely important for me. I have to be careful about my spiritual diet as far as the things I'm taking in. And, and that's where I was going with those, like the world's troubles and stuff. If I, if I just focus on all this, cause you can find plenty of bad to focus on. If you want to, the world is pretty screwed up. There's a lot of messed up stuff going on and mm -hmm. I can focus my energy at that stuff. Uh, but I found that it just makes my spirit sick when I focus my energy on that stuff. You know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was turning off the TV. Uh, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it because I was like made a big stand. I wasn't drawing a line in the sand or anything. I had, I was on home incarceration for a year and that's expensive and I can't turn off the water and I can't turn off the gas and I can't turn, you know, quit paying the house payment, but I could turn off the TV and, right. uh, and just to save it, just to have the money to be able to pay for to be able to pay to not go to prison. That's my, my lawyer. He said, are you sure you can afford that? And I said, I can't afford not to, uh, <laughs> but it was also that just ended up being that. And I almost, you know, get some people talk about putting my head in the sand and not paying any attention to a lot of that stuff. But I just find for me that uh, my spiritual diet needs to be cleansed and I can't continue to take in that, uh, the worries of the world and, and the chaos that's going on. Uh, you know, I need to be a little bit of aware to some extent, but to have a diet of it. And also something that seems to happen is like, if I am focused on the negative, well, then that's what I'll find in my own path too. 
you know, I, I, I actually like sprinkle that negative stuff into my path. You know, if I stay focused on the positive, then that is the karma that starts coming out and bit sprinkled along in my path, the way I'm going, you know, and I've been a lot of talk about that. There was a book called, you know, people talk about the po- the power of positive thinking. And I don't think that I can, you know, power positive, think a Corvette out into my driveway, but, uh, uh, more upon the line of my mind and my thinking being more on a spiritual plane uh, keeps my, you know, keeps my life in that, in that lane also. And how do I do that bigger than anything? What's the two tools I use? And it's in our 11 step prayer and meditation. That's you right. Know? And uh, I, a lot of people treat some of this stuff like it's all a cart dinner, you know, that I'm only going to, I'm only going to do this, this, and this. And a lot of people skip out on the meditation part of 12 steps, you know, because they can't sit still is one thing, you know, and they think it's a waste of time, you know, and it's an interesting thing how much benefit I got by when I make a point to do nothing for a little bit every day. Uh, It's actually very transforming. It is. And they've done brain science stuff that's, you know, where they scan your brain and they actually can prove that it actually improves your mind, the physiology of it. What I tell everybody, and this is a problem people always have, and what it comes down to is that you can't get the mind to be still, you know, and this is, uh, I tell everybody, take a, you know, they have this 30 day challenges these days, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days, so you yeah. try it for 30 days, you know, try five minutes of meditation and try it every day for 30 days yep. and see how it works for you. If you yeah. like it, you keep doing it. But what happens, you know, you expect, oh, I'll meditate and all of a sudden all these wonderful things will happen to you. So practice. It's practice. If you want to, you know, go to the gym and bench press 500 pounds, you're not going to walk in there the first day and lift 500 pounds. Or you're going to break your shoulders and your arms and everything else, you know. Yeah. So you have to start with 100 pounds or 150 pounds, depending on what you can do. 50 yeah. pounds, maybe. You know, but eventually with time and practice and patience, you'll get, you'll reach your goals. There's no doubt about it. It's one of the first things I ask a guy when, when I first start uh, working with a guy, you know, the kind of the common thing is that somebody will ask you to sponsor them, you know, to take them through the work. And uh, one of my, I have a set of ground rules. I lay out the expectations that here's what we're going to do. You know, so if you don't want to do this, you've picked the wrong guy. That's <laughs> uh, right. And so, and I always ask you, where are you at on prayer and meditation? And they usually don't have much to say about, you know, they'll say something about them praying and stuff, but I, I'll give them, uh, I'll give them a, a five, a link to a five minute meditation and just say, just in the morning, when you wake up, just sit, instead of jumping up and running, just sit still for five minutes, hit play on this and listen to it. You know, and it's and one of them, there's a seven minute chakra tune up one that I like to give people, you know, at the next line, once they got the five down, then we'll move to seven. And, uh, and, and the five minute one is a thing on the third step prayer. It's just a really slow uh, uh, little thing on the, the third step prayer. So what you're actually doing at some level, you're praying and meditating. Uh, and, and it's almost like uh, tricking them into to 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 doing it you know and but that's part of the thing here and and i know this will help you i know it it's not a matter of me think i think this will help you no i know this will help you so let's get started uh and same thing with the prayer end of it and that's part of that you know a lot of guys don't want to pray you know i don't know what that uh 
it's ego. Same thing back to what it was that, you you know, I think I'm the power and, uh, but just start having them start get up in the morning. And, you know, one of the simple things around our neighborhood is, is that we say, you know, wake up in the morning and, and ask God to help you stay sober today. And then when you go to bed at night, thank God for keeping you sober today, you know, and just start there. You know, we don't have to, uh, just in the smallest little steps, just like you said, at the weightlifting thing that, uh, if I, uh, I'm not going to start out and, and, you know, and this is even, you know, you could actually set goals in your weightlifting. You could actually say, okay, or maybe you want to run or you want to get to a marathon or you want to do that. There's no, there's no mountaintop to reach in this realm. There's no, there's no summit, you know, that I can meditate for 20 minutes now, you know, uh, that's, it just doesn't work that way. My favorite thing about the gym is, is it says, uh, you can go to the, you know, if you can go to the gym every single day, but if you don't walk in there and pick up any weights, you're not going to get any stronger. And that's what a lot of people do to 12 steps. They come to 12 steps and they just want to hang around with this thinking they're going to get better. And it's not, you got to lift some weights. You got to, you got to, you got to begin to make these changes. In, and that's really what the 12 steps does. Like you said earlier, it creates, it's a path to change the habits. That's right. It's a slow path. That's like mechanically laid out where it's a, that you slowly end up uh, like eating an elephant, just one bite at a time, begin to change your habits. Cause I can't change my habits. I can't do it. I don't have the power to do that. Uh, but by following somebody else, you know, my way's not working. I'll try your way. And by following some other guy's way of doing things like, Hey man, when you wake up in the morning, say some prayers. When you, we begin to change that, those, uh, ways people have been doing life. And before they know it, their life's a whole lot better. And they don't, you know, they almost, you almost don't understand what happened. Like what just happened to me? Meditation changes our consciousness because it allows us, because our consciousness, which is based on our habits and the things that we've experienced, is the way that we see the world, okay? How we experience the world. And when we meditate, we transform our habits into more positive habits, you know, where lust gets replaced with love, humility gets replaced with, so all these transformations take place. And those transformations make us ultimately happier because it's elevating our consciousness to where we're ultimately meant to be. And that's why we become happier. That's why we become more satisfied. That's why we radiate that positive energy because that's who we are now. And that's why we want to share that with everybody else. It's not that, you know, you've got this beautiful diamond that you have or thousands of diamonds and then you're just hoarding them for yourself. You want to give them to everybody because the more people that transform their lives in this way, well, the world will just be a very blissful place. Yeah. You know, if everybody in the world was like Dan, the world would be all the problems mm-hmm. solved. You know, there's no uh, politics. There's none of that stuff. Everything's good. So this yeah. is this is the way we need to look at things. And you really do see an impact, you know, it is, it is, a. It, I, I am very, I am humbled beyond my understanding about like these friendships and these guys over the years have asked me to sponsor them. And then I take them to this work and they completely transform their lives. And the next thing you know, you know, they're having babies and these babies don't have a drunk dad. And, you know, uh, guys are on the verge of divorce and their families reunited, you know, and parents are scared to death. They're going to get that phone call about the, about the, you know, their son, daughter has de- died. And, you know, that person is able to not carry that with them anymore. And just that impact that you have, uh, you know, and again, it's not me, it's me helping you tune into the channel 
So you can get your, you know, always be real careful to say it ain't me. It's not Dan. <laughs> it's these tools and this power that you can tap into. And I have a, I have a little recipe that somebody gave me. I didn't invent the recipe. Uh, somebody wrote a recipe and gave it to me. And it really does work if you follow the recipe. All the knowledge that we share is not knowledge that we created. It's knowledge that's come from above. And we right. it's been shared through generations, through centuries. And we continue to share that with everybody. Because the same problems people had 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago or a million years ago are the same problems we have now. The same problems Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. You know, yeah. that what did they do? Okay, Eve, don't eat. Everything is garden is yours. Blissful. Enjoy it. Have just a don't eat that. Just don't eat that. But what do we do? <laughs> yep. This is ego. This is the desire to be the Lord, to be yeah. in charge, to live against what God wants us to do. Yeah. And it's a kind of a fundamental thing. And I guess it's in our, you know, it's in our being in the way that, you know, God made us or whatever. But, you know, even just small children, you know, you can tell them to don't do this. And it's almost like impossible for them not to do it. You know, they have to try it. You know, the hot stove thing is one. We've got a camp out in the country and we've got a wood stove and we burn wood in it. And that's how we keep the cabin warm in the wintertime. Oh. And uh, and I'll have kids down there now and again. And my kids were little down there. And, you know, you go, hey, this is hot. Do not touch it. You know, you take their hand and kind of hold it up close where they won't touch it, but they can feel the heat, you know, and sometime through the day, they're going to touch the damn thing, you know, <laughs> and, and I can almost, I, I've even watched some kids go up to it. And actually, you know, I'm going, no, stop, you know, and they, and they just touch it. They have to do what, uh, what, what they're told not to. And it does seem like, uh, you know, this, this whole life is suffering in the Buddha thing, that these things are just part of life. This is Joseph Campbell talks about the hero's journey and, and about how our, you know, it kind of seems like at some level, my life has been that way that I had to, I had to go down the wrong path a certain amount of time to figure that out, that that was the wrong path. And then get some help, holler for help and, uh, and receive that help. I had to be able to receive it, be willing to receive these other people's help that I didn't really want to do. You know, I just, you know, I didn't wake up one morning hoping to deepen my connection with God. That was not my idea. <laughs> uh, but what I did want to do is I wanted to stop drinking and drugging. And I, what I did want to do is not go to prison. And so then I have this and then like to follow that up, I end up receiving this gift and this miracle in my life. I do talk a lot. I have a list in my phone of, of miracles that have happened to me since I've come into recovery. And some of them are personal, you know, they're small things for me, but they're still like a gratitude. It's like a long-term gratitude list kind of, you know, it's, it's these things. Cause I'll forget about them. My memory's not very good, right? I'll forget this thing that happened to me a few years ago. If I don't keep it someplace on a list, uh, and, and I continue to have these miracles happen to me. And then my list builds and it gets longer. And that creates more evidence for me to stay on this path because of the evidence of what's happened to me since I've been on the path. And then, and then like to circle around and to finish up that hero's journey in that cycle is that, you know, we're going to go through something. And then once I make it through something, my next job is to go find people who are going through the same thing I made it through and show them how I did it. That's wonderful. This is this is the transformative process. We all have a chance to go through that hero's journey, you know, and this is a very beautiful story to hear because yeah. this is how all of us can, you know, when we become a hero in that way that Campbell discusses, it's basically, we go through a struggle, we go through a difficulty. And at, at some point we make the right and proper choice. 
that transforms our life. And despite our suffering and difficulties, even after making that right choice, eventually we are successful. And that's what makes the hero. Yeah. And this is the same thing. Then sharing that with other people gives them the strength to follow that same path. I like the way he says that uh, it's like uh, the divine is you're, if it was a, if you had a telephone, it's been ringing all your life. <laughs> it matters what it's going to take for you to pick it up and answer the call, you know, and uh, you know, and, and uh, of that there's a movie out called finding Joe and it just touched me. Uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, I'd recommend it. It's on, uh, you can watch it on YouTube for free finding Joe okay. and it's a Joseph Candle. It's kid friendly too. So it's a really cool movie that you could sit down and teach some of these kind of lessons in a, in that way, you know, start implanting those seeds in yeah, youngsters and all that. But it says, uh, sometimes the call comes as a tickle feather. And if you're, you're, you know, you're capable and, and should listen to the call when it's just a tickle feather, but most of us has to wait till it's the sledgehammer before we wake up and answer the phone. You know, we got to get, hit, we got to get hit hard before we, we answer. Um, as long as we finally answer, it's okay. You know? yeah. yeah. I heard old joke something, uh, one time and the guy said, uh, that, uh, God's, God's up there going, you know, some of these people call me Allah and some of them call me Muhammad and some of them call me God and some of them call me or the divine is up there saying that and, uh, you know, call, uh, call me Jesus. And he said, you know, I really don't care what you call me. Just call me. That's right. Exactly. In the end, that's funda the fundamental principles of spiritual life are the same in every religion. Yeah. And they've been so old, you know, and, and one of the things that dawned on me at some point was thinking about like the hieroglyphs and stuff and the stuff before we had real communication tools. When when our when when human beings were carving stuff in cave walls, you know, building a fire and making the wall black and then wiping off the black to make stuff, they've been making figures or something uh, um, pointing to and worshiping or relying on or something above us, you know, some higher power, some kind of thing up there. And, you know, uh, how could us, how could that be happening on opposite ends of the world? A uh, similar kind of thing. If there's not something real going on, you know, they didn't have any way to like uh, evangelize one another, you know, they couldn't uh, do that. And, you know, and those tools have come along through these teachers over the years, you know, and I think, you know, we know who they are, you know, Jesus, Buddha, uh, all you, there's more than I can begin to count. Uh, Krishna, uh, they're telling the same kind of, story in different ways right yes. i was i was like it's it's all it's it's the same inside the box in there it's all the same basic thing it's maybe got a little tweak here a little different there but basically all it is every one of them is tied with a different color bow on top you know and uh and and way of thinking about you it. have to like you for whatever reason uh as individuals we have to be like presented with the right color bow before we will accept it, you know, it's like, oh, no, I don't like that color. I don't, you know, in the gift in, it's the same thing, but I'll just change the bow until you uh, say, okay, I'll take that one. I'll take the one you like and follow. That's exactly. Yeah. Uh, I say something about AA that, uh, you know, two things that really touch me in what we do is that we do allow you to have your own conception of God. Cause that was one of my problems from the beginning. Uh, of not being able to, I was trying to, uh, like Scott Lee's a speak, favorite speaker of mine. He said, I, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to make him my God. What yeah. I realized is I needed to make me his man. You know, yes. it wasn't, uh, and I was trying to pick out what God, you know, and, and it bothered me that there was differences, you know, the fact, how could both of these people be right? 
you know, yes. and in my ego would tell me something's not right because these two things cannot both be right. And here we're taught the one and only God, right? Uh, and and Jesus, and you know, and are you saved? And you know, and you get to, you get taught that kind of stuff. And uh, and AH allowed me to take and create my entire own, you know, and and just take everything that I want from all of them and put it together or whatever. And I go, we go through some exercises. We do this little God inventory to look at like where you got some of the teachings you have. And was it serving the people that who taught it to you? Did they, were they walking the walk that you would want to walk? And, you know, sometimes that answer is no. And it's like, well, how come you picked up that? You know, why would you pick up something from somebody that doesn't, uh, isn't somebody that has something you want. And we go through that. But more importantly than that is that once I've got there, we don't reject each other for what we've picked, you know, and that's one of the things that seems to be at the root of the world's problems from time eternity is that these fights over religion that you have, you know, I'm walking the right walk and you're not. And so therefore we will kill you. You know I mean? Cause that's what it comes down to. It's not just, I'm going to shun you. Or I ain't going to hang out with you. Uh, we go to war and we try to wipe out entire, uh, you know, uh, entire races and, and religions and stuff to try to make it go away. And that's just, it's just, uh, I, 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 that's a fundamental I, problem when people become more deeply attached to the rituals or the surface aspect of their religion, whatever they follow, rather than the true and deep meaning of their religion. Focus on the similarities between all the different faiths rather than the subtle the differences. differences. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, this person, oh, you pray in this language and I pray in that language. And when you pray, you fold your hands. But when I pray, I kneel. Oh, you're, let's go kill them. Let's fight. You know, yeah. This is naturally what people think because yeah. we become so attached to our way of doing things rather than becoming attached to our relationship with the divine. So this is fundamentally going to be a problem because it comes down to fear, fear of losing our way of doing things, rather than at a deeper understanding that all these different ways are fine. My way is no better or worse than the others, but let me just follow my path fully and be the example of what it means to be a proper Christian or a proper Muslim or a proper Jew or a Buddhist or Hindu or whatever you may be following. So if we choose that path and try to ignore all the kind of noise that's out there, okay? Um, and then what happens is that people try to blame, oh, God created all these religions and he's causing all these problems and all this. But if you look at it, if you think of God as the sun, okay, the light that's bringing light into the world, if you're looking and you're facing the sun, you will see the light, okay? You will have that understanding. But if you turn your back to the sun, what you will see in front of you is your shadow. And so you're seeing the darkness. So that's when we turn our back to God's true will, we see the darkness. And when we choose not to serve God, but serve our own ego, and then in that name, we, you know, commit terrorism and we abuse women and, you know, destroy countries and people, you know, blow up planes and all of these type of things. They're not doing that to serve God. They're doing that by submitting their religion to their own ego and their own desire for power. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with their religion, except at a very superficial level, they're attached to something that they do. But it basically is more about power, control, and ego. 
than anything else. Yep. In whichever religion it yep. may be. It happens yep. everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we have, you know, every civilization, every language has a different word for water, but we don't fight over that, you know. Right. And it's, it's it's ultimately why would we not have a different language for our worship or our our connection with our divine uh spirit? Uh, how there's no way we could have been the same, but we're gonna fight over the fact that we have different ones, you know, and we're not fighting over other words. <laughs> and unfortunately, the fighting comes from people who generally themselves don't have a connection, yeah, they don't right. just at the very superficial level, they have a connection to what they call their their culture or their way of doing things or you know whatever word they want to use yeah. or languages they have they have that attachment at a very superficial level yeah and, oh, and you know then on one end of it they've got that spiritual sickness you know that's that their, their, their spirit has got a cold or the flu or covid or whatever and it's just not if they were spiritually fit they wouldn't be doing that that's exactly right you actually when i meet many people like that unfortunately and Basically, you know, you can pray for them, you can hope they get better, but ultimately that transformation has to come from within themselves, yep. like being around the right kind of people. Sometimes yep. it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Only power I have is just to be the best I can be, the best version of Dan that I can be. That's right. That's uh, all we can do. That's yep. all we can do. So tell me a little bit about the uh, the astrology readings and the sure. Vedic stuff that you were telling me about earlier. I don't yeah. want to bang all over on too long. Absolutely. The astro astrology is a very powerful science. It's an ancient Vedic science. So what does astrology mean? Astrology says that, explains that everything that happens in our life, we, uh, is to a degree, can be seen. Okay. Now, we always have a choice in every situation, but, uh, we can see where our inclinations are, where our habits are, where we're likely to make the wrong choice in a situation. And then when we see that happening in somebody's life, we can tell them, look, hey, you've got this time coming up when you're you know, 35 years old where there's a big risk that you may start drinking or you may commit adultery or you're gonna have some problem with your parents or whatever the issue may be. You may lose your job, your money's gonna go through an issue here. Uh, when this time period comes, make sure that you are strong and focused. And, you know, when the chance comes to make the wrong decision, don't make it. Make sure, especially during this period in your life, you're going to feel that inclination to drink or to party or to not take responsibility for your family or to become really angry or let the demons that are inside you take over. And this is the time you need to be very careful. So astrology helps you see how the different karmas in your life are manifesting. And then it's like a roadmap of what's happened in your life and will happen in your life. And you can see it very clearly. When I do readings for somebody, um, astrology is basically a divine science. Okay. It's a science like chemistry and physics and all of these, but it's at a very subtle spiritual level. Because at the same time that we're in this world, the divine Lord has given us a roadmap of how our life is going to be. And then it shows the ups and the downs. And it shows that, okay, I'm going to go through this speed bump here where there's going to be a little difficulty in my life. And at that moment, I can tell them, this is what's going to happen. Make the right choice in this situation. You're going to feel like 
starting to drink because all your friends are going to drink because this is your nature in this life. When that time comes, make sure you don't make that decision because from whatever past karma you have, your mind is inclined towards making that. Now, that doesn't mean you have to do it. So if we make the right choice in every situation, you know, then that karma becomes transformed. So if there's two people, you know, one is never had a drink in their life and the other is a former alcoholic. If they walk past the bar, the one who's an alcoholic better run past that bar as fast as he can, okay? Because otherwise, if he goes inside, he's very likely to drink again. The one who's never had a drink in his life could probably walk into the bar, drink a Coke, watch the football game, have some pretzels, and walk out and never be bummed. okay? Um, so there's an inclination towards behaving in a certain way. And astrology can show those inclinations that we have. And everybody has different ones. And then we can uh, do the things necessary or during those difficult astrological periods, we can say that, okay, during this time, be very careful. Uh, during this time, there's a likelihood of, you know, adultery. There's a likelihood of getting into a car accident. There's a likelihood of getting sick. Be careful with this, this, and this. How are those laid out? How's that like? Is it like all, most lives have a typical path and like how old you are is where you're at? Or is it? Everybody is completely different. Every astrological reading I do is completely different. So basically what you do, you get the person's date of birth, the time they were born, and the place they were born. You know, if you're born in, you know, 1962 at 11 a.m. in Lexington, Kentucky, that that's basically what we base your birth chart on. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. yep. And I have a, uh, it creates a 16 different astrological charts for each person. And you look at those and you can see all the different periods of their life. And if you look at my uh, website, it's Radhikesh Das, which is my name, .com. And I have all my reviews. Google reviews are on there. And basically, everybody will tell you the same thing. These readings are entirely accurate to what's happened in their life. I can tell them when they got married, when, uh, you know, these are people I'm meeting when they're 30 or 40 years old, when they got married, what their personality is like, what their kids are like, when they had their major problems in life, when they had their successes, if they got divorced, when it happened, what are the struggles they're going through right now? And more fundamentally than that, you can see those things, and then you can also see how to change those. Okay. Because, because we have, a, and for this, we have to maybe expand our minds a little bit to understand this point with some of your audience. Uh, yeah. Everything in our world is controlled by the divine. And everything around us affects us. Other planets affect us. The stars affect us. The uh, association of different people affect us. And if we realize because we're all connected, everything around us is affecting us. Astrology lets us see the most subtle things that are affecting us. And if we can transform those subtle things, then the ripple effects of that are very powerful throughout our life. Like they can be transforming. It means if we're suffering, it doesn't have to continue. There's things we can do, choices we can make uh, that can transform them. And, uh, this is fundamentally how astrology works. It's a roadmap of your own life based on your own karma. And this is very different for each and every person. You know, 
but you know, they're pretty. You know, I bet you there's a, a few different common uh, thoughts going along with people uh, when you say astrology, right? Oh, sure, sure. And then some people say uh, here astronomy, right? That's a whole different thing, that, right? That's a completely different thing. Absolutely, astronomy is the physical study of the stars. Okay, it's uh, but astrology is a study of the effects of the stars and the planets on your life. It's a science that's about 200,000 years old, if not more. And actually, if you look at the Vedas, the Vedas will show in complete detail the distance. You know, it didn't say that the earth was flat. It had all the planets. It showed they were circular, the distance from the earth to the sun, Saturn, you know, Mars, all these planets. It showed exactly where they are, how they're moving. So even thousands of years ago, they had this information. And they've shown the direct correlation those have on our life. And that's sometimes in our modern world, in our modern scientific world, people find that very hard to understand. Yeah. But once people get a reading done, and a lot of people who come to me to get readings, they're like, well, I don't know if I believe in this stuff, or I don't know if I understand. And most of the time they say, I don't know if I understand this stuff. I said, that's fine, get a reading done and you'll see how it affects your life. Yeah. And you'll see how people who aren't, unsure, or they have an incomplete understanding of what this is meant to be, all of a sudden, something just opens up in their mind, and they realize, because that there is a greater divine guidance in their right. life. Yeah, I mean, much like this, living on the spiritual plane, most people can't, like, compute it, you know, and it, it sounds too good to be true, and uh, but then once you've actually, once you actually have that, have that gift given to you, uh, then you go, oh, well, hold on. It really was true. That's right. And this is the same type of thing. And, uh, you know, my family's been doing astrology for generations. And several years ago, I decided to take it up myself. So what it happened, is, it's in your family. That's what I was going to ask you is how did you get involved in it? How long have you? Thousands of my families from generations back has been doing this. What happened to me is that, you know, I'm a doctor. And uh, in 2012, okay, about so nine years ago, out of the blue, you know, I got diagnosed with a deadly disease. And uh, something, I mean, I perfectly healthy guy. I went for a life insurance physical and they found something. Oh, wow. That happens to like one in a hundred thousand people. Okay. And this is something that, you know, you're going to, life is just transformed. You're going to be on high dose, toxic chemo, all of these type of things that are just going to be like, your life is like, not over, but it's, it's rough. It's, you know, it leads to many difficult problems down the road. You die, you know, earlier than you would want with a suffering life and all of these things. And to be, you know, I was at that point, 40 years old, at the peak, in many ways, I thought in my mm -hmm. career and all these other things, it was very devastating having a family and all of that. And I went to see my own astrologer. And he said, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Give it five years. You'll, you'll be totally fine. And hmm. I'm a physician. And I was like, there's no way my life is like, this is not possible with this disease. And not even five years later, four years later, it's completely gone. Hmm. Just gone. And so then my interest really deepened in this study to the point where, uh, you know, I studied it much more deeply, started practicing this more regularly. I've written 
two books on astrology that should be coming out very soon. And then I'm already in the process of writing a third one. So this is uh, how it really became deeper and stronger in my life. And then as I've done readings now for thousands of people, uh, I've seen how accurate it is in each and every person's life and how transformative it can be when people are going through difficulties, especially. Because what it does, it helps give you clarity. If you're going through a difficulty, whether it's a job problem or a health problem or a money problem or a spiritual problem or you know whatever it may be, family life, kids, it gives you some clarity like, okay, this problem is going on, but it's going to end at this point in time. So that's what it can see. Okay, look, you're going through a bad period because sometimes when we get hit by bad stuff, it's like one after another after another. You're like, what the heck is going on? Everything is coming to me at one time. And it shows that, okay, this period will end. And then things will get better in your life. You know, well, yes, you're going through this difficulty, but here's what we can do. This is the influence, planetary influence is causing the problem. Let's take care of this and it'll go away. And, and that's why I was wondering, was there anything that you had to, was there guidance that you followed in order to have that result? In my situation, I didn't need to do anything. He said, just wait. This is, the doctor is wrong. It's not going to be like that. You will be totally fine. Hmm. And I'm a physician. But I, I believed him. And I said, all right. And it was totally fine. And I understood in five years, this problem will go away. I didn't take any stress over it. I dealt with it. And I was totally fine. You know, yeah. Now that was 2016. And now it's 2021. And you know, no problems at all. Yeah. yeah, you think about like the power of the mind kind of stuff on, you know, where, you know, I believe, I believe, you know, I, I am not a doctor and never have been, although my initials are DR. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, that some of this stuff, the stress that we cause ourselves, you know, end up um, manifesting in physical problems that, of the stress and that toxic thought stuff. So if somebody does give you a really bad diagnosis and you just go in the rabbit hole on that, I do wonder how that could end up helping that like, basically manifest it in a sense. And I, I don't know where I stand on this, but I do feel like at some level I have manifested certain things in my life uh, to my good by yeah. being positive towards it and, and, and not being real specific. You know, I was working for a company, worked for it 28 years. I wanted to, I wanted to do something different. Didn't know what it was, would always love to maybe be working for myself and kind of put that out in the universe. And here I am doing that today, you know, and I didn't really do a lot of action to make that happen. You know, I didn't really, there's a couple of small things, but nothing really happened. And I also have seen this thing of some people who have, uh, I'll tell you something funny. The people that I know that are most afraid of getting COVID have got COVID. That's right. <laughs> uh, so if you get that taken off of your mind, where I was going with that was that, you know, you didn't have to like go in the rabbit hole on it and then obsess about it. You were able to get some guidance that told you, don't worry about it. That way you could let it go. Well, kind of the thing we were talking about earlier about letting some of this stuff go, that magic tool of how you do that, uh, having help in, in, in not sweating it. Yes. and move on with life and then it you know it did it you let it go and it let you go that's right that's right yeah this is uh, so it's a very fascinating science and you know astrology is a science like anything else it's a vedic science i've done a lot of talks on it where you know people are asking questions of is it bona fide how does it work how can you work and you know i'll do readings for people i'll go to some shows and i'll do readings but now mostly i do everything from home 
And people are like, they're like, yes, everything you told me is accurate. I did one reading for, um, I did a reading for a lady. This was maybe last year sometime. And her daughter came with her. And the reading was very good. And the daughter's like, oh, I want a reading too, but I don't remember my time. I was like, okay, well, let me look at it and we'll try to figure out your time. So I, she said it was around this, you know, 605 or whatever it was. And I said, okay, well, did this happen in your life at this time? And after two, three questions, I said, ah, let's see. Did you have an abortion when you were 16 years old? And she said, ah, don't worry about it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm, I'll come in tomorrow. We'll talk about it. She came in the next day and she said, how did you know I had an abortion when I was 16? Even my mother doesn't know that. And then I showed her exactly what it showed. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so. So know, that's one of the ways you like build the validity with it is that you're able to tell people what has already happened. That way they go, hey. So now that when you say, okay, and this is also what is out there. Exactly. That uh, is exactly how it works. Because, you know, somebody comes in and they're, you know, usually 20s, 30s or more. They've had some degree of life that they've lived. And I can tell them a few different things that happened then all of a sudden they're like, okay, there's something to this. Mm -hmm. And um, what it does, it builds their understanding that they are not the Supreme, that the divine Lord is helping them in this life, guiding them in this life. And then they can um, be empowered in that, that even the wrong choices they've made in the past, to a degree, those were simply meant to be, okay? And, but now they have the opportunity, leave that go, leave that guilt behind and move forward living your life in the positive and best way. And you know, that's also part of the steps that we have weaknesses. We have to admit those weaknesses because the, the greatest danger in a war is spies. And spies are powerful when we don't see them, okay? So this is the danger of our weaknesses is mm -hmm. that if, we're willing to admit them if we let those spies out in the open well they have no power but if we if they stay inside and they generally stay inside we don't admit our weaknesses because of ego or pride or culture like hey no, i don't have any weaknesses i can handle everything yeah. and uh unless we're willing to admit that then we become very powerful if yeah. we don't then we continue to struggle you know because yeah. one way or another those spies those weaknesses will get to us, whether we realize it or not. One day, all of a sudden, everything is, wait a minute, I'm right back where I started. He's not where I wanted my life to be. What happened? You know, uh, It's because of those weaknesses that we're not willing to admit that yeah. we're against and then try to turn toward the divine Lord to help us overcome them. Yeah. It uh, reminds me of the analogy I was given with the 12 steps is that uh, we're like we have a garbage can on our back with like backpack straps and everything that we've carried, everything kind of, or like a hard drive, everything we've experienced through our lives, we're putting it in that can. And there's a lot of good things in there, but there's some bad things in there too. Some stuff we'd rather nobody saw or you yeah. know, we wish we hadn't yeah. done or maybe some of that stuff happened to us. And we were powerless against it, like in a case of some abuse or something of that nature that, you know, you didn't, you didn't do anything to deserve that, but yet you're still carrying it today. And, uh, and, and just like the barrel of bad apples, you know, in our, our, our propensity towards negative bias, where, you know, a pound of negative or an ounce of negative weighs more than a pound of positive. That just seems like a way it is, you know, uh, let's say I go into a party and 
there 29, 30 people are there and 29 of them say, Hey, Dan, you look great. And one guy says, you ain't looking so well. I'm in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror, wanting to know what's wrong. And, uh, but the same thing here is that the negatives in our life way more, you know, that it, it, it has a bigger effect on us. And then it also kind of propagates into the other things and makes it like a barrel of apples. The one bad apple in the barrel thing kind of propagates through there. And uh, we're able to do, do this 12 steps as we get that garbage can out and we dump it on the floor and we process all that stuff with another safe human being, your sponsor, that kind of thing and polish up the good stuff, put it back in the can, take the bad stuff where it belongs and put it on a shelf called the past. And, uh, and then your can's mostly empty and you get to start off, you know, if it's by the time we get here, it's, oh, it's over capacity. And then when you walk out of here, you know, you're back down to a 25% capacity can. And the bad thing is, is if when we run into some kind of new negative thing, your parent, you have a parent die, you get a divorce and your can's already full. You don't have no room for anything more. And, and the one thing's a tipping point, you know, and, uh, this allows you to have room for whatever life brings you, you know, the, that ends up. And one of the things I struggle with in that is that like, I, I like that my life is actually predetermined. I really don't have any, uh, say say way to think about it. Um, we always have a choice in every situation. Okay. I, what I would say is that a lot of the situations that are going to come into our life are going to come, at least to some degree, okay? But what we have is a choice of how we respond to that. Yeah. Now, depending on how we respond to that situation, the dominoes are going to go either this way or that way, okay? That's what it fundamentally comes down to. Yeah, like a lot of forks in a row, you know, I'm going to get to this fork and I'm going to have a chance to go this way or that way. And if I go this way, that's going to take me to another fork. If I go this way, it's going to take me to a completely, potentially completely different set of circumstances. What astrology can help you see, it can say, look, when you're going to get to this fork in the road, you're going to want to do this. This is not a good idea. Do this instead. Or if it's in a good period, you'll say, okay, when you get to this point, you're going to want to go in a very positive direction, do these type of things, go with that, it's going to be beneficial to you. So it's not that you don't have a choice, of course, absolutely, in every situation, we have a choice. We don't choose the situations that come upon us, okay? They happen by nature, you know, just like a forest fire just starts. The difficulties that are meant to come to us, they just come. It's a question of how, and certainly, we can make choices that make those problems worse. Or we yeah, can make those problems better. It's the story of two brothers that I was once told. And uh, one was a big time alcoholic. And the other one has never had a drink. And uh, so they got together one day. And their father was a big alcoholic. And the one who's a drinker, the brother asks his, uh, the brother who's not a drinker, he says, why didn't you start drinking? And he says, because I saw my father. And why did you start drinking? And he says, because I saw my father. So again, the choice, you know, they both in the same house, they saw the same thing. But our consciousness, and that's why meditation and prayer is so important, because it transforms our consciousness. And our consciousness is the way we see the world. So these two brothers brought up in the same situation saw the world in completely different ways. Oh, my father drinks, I'm going to drink too. Okay, my father drinks, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. You know, so this is the same thing. This is 
always about choices. It's about making wise and proper choices, choices that are more divinely inspired than choices made out of fear or emotion or anger or frustration uh, or depression or any of those things. And this is one of the fundamental uh, principles of living a divine life is making the proper choices. And how do we know that we're making the proper choice? That that choice is made not out of fear, not out of our emotion, but by the guidance of others who we trust and with an understanding of what God wants in our life. And, you know, in the scriptures from the beginning of time, there's so many examples of people who go through difficulties. And when we look at their lives and we make our choices the same way they would make their choices, you know, okay, I can take this job and I'll get, you know, a lot of money, but this job is something that goes against my principles. This is something that's not going to benefit anybody. Or I could take this other job that makes less money, but I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied. I'll be doing something to help the world. This way, I'm just making big money for a corporation, you know, and I can help others. So these are choices. And this is something that surprisingly I deal with a lot. People get these forks in their life and they are inclined based on whatever influences are upon them to go in one way or the other. And generally people want to go in the direction of easy money, easy life and all that. But, you know, if they take, and that usually leads to difficulties, but if they make the right choice and choose something that's more transformative for themselves and others, then uh, the results in the long term are usually much better. So that's where astrology can give guidance. And that's where our own sense of right and wrong can help us. But there's always our inclinations to behave. And in this world, the inclination is generally to go more down the negative road. Yeah, you wonder about like, if that's not the same thing as what you said about, you know, don't eat that apple. You can have everything here, but don't eat that apple. That we're still, you know. um, All of us deal with this. That is ingrained in us. It is just a part of the human condition that we have this propensity to like, take these turns that we shouldn't take. <laughs> yes. And that's where we have propensities. We have habits and the way we overcome those negative habits that we may have is through meditation and prayer. This is transforming. Okay. The word religion comes from Latin and it means to bind back, to bind mm-hmm. us back to the original, to bind mm-hmm. us back to God. I and like that. So what we have to do is, yes, we absolutely have these habits and these inclinations to behave in certain ways. But when we recognize that through prayer, through meditation, through associating with the right kind of people, to keeping our home environment wholesome, you know, uh, to keeping a peaceful life around us, then when the time comes to make those choices, the inclination will be much more positive. Right. Yeah. Rather than, you know, if ever if all your friends are drinking and you've stopped drinking, forget about it. You're going to start yeah. drinking. You know, that's just yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, but, I had it happened to a gather a couple of weeks ago. I was working yeah. with a new guy and he drank Saturday night and I asked him about how it went down. He went to trying to hang out with his old buddies. And I said, man, you're not going to want to hear this, but you're not going to stop drinking if you continue to hang around with those guys. You know, you're just not. It's just impossible, man. You just won't be able to do it. And so the other thing about it is if you'll walk his path with me for a little while, you're not going to want to hang around with those guys anymore. Exactly. That's good. 
That's exactly right. The association of people who are living a more holistic spiritual life transforms other people. And it breaks that, you know, habits that we thought we could never give up, we give up. Things that you get to a place in your life where like, whoa, I never thought I would be like this, but you're very happy that you're like that. And you don't realize how you got there. That's kind of God kind of asked for help. And he gave it to you. Yeah. I really didn't feel like I grew up until I got sober. Now standing back and you know, it's a January will be seven years. And now looking back, I feel like I was a 12 year old kid up until when I was 45, right. you know, and, uh, and I certainly today, I actually feel like I'm the authentic me, you know, and when I'm walking around on the planet and I run into 10 people during the day, if you would get them all together, they all ran into the same guy. You know, some time ago, you might be <laughs> 10 different guys, according to how, you know, how the masks and that kind of stuff that I was wearing and not being, you know, not my authentic self. That's uh, there's a there's a definition we use about recovery of being to uh, to reclaim that which was lost or stolen, like of recovering a shipwreck or recovering that. What we look at is recovering our true selves, our soul, our very soul, recovering that it was with us when we were born. We were born with it. And it got away from us uh, through choices and and uh, circumstances and all that. And and this actually allows us to get back to one of our exercises is, is to find a picture of you when you were a little kid and you were happy, you know, and working back to get back to that, to, to get back to that kid, not lose your maturity and not act childish and not that's, you know, but I, I'm actually free to act a little childish once in a while. I, I'm, I can act like a goofball now and then and I have to worry about it. You know, exactly. I can exactly. just be me. Um, I still do, you know, and I, I guess it's the concept in the Bible of the original sin, uh, you know, that that has been born into us somehow or another. And I don't really know where I stand down it. I just kind of explore it with my, you know, and, and I like to explore things by talking uh, of that being when I said a natural propensity that there does seem to be something that's like in us that makes us tend to want to like bend the wrong way, you know, uh, there, there's, Absolutely. and you know, maybe that's what, you know, the Christians would call that. The, that's the devil. Uh, you know, that I yeah. think we're all talking the same language when, when they're talking about that too, that it really is not a dude with forked ears and horns and carrying a pitchfork, no more than there's a big white bearded guy sitting on a throne with a, uh, with a throne, with a, with a big staff. Uh, but the concept is the same. And it's that, um, you know, sometimes I say like, it's like a dark energy or something, you know, that, that tends to want to, and it seems that we're born with it. I don't know. It just seems that the same thing is like when the little kid and you say, Hey, stay out of that candy. And you walk in the other room and you come back and he's got chocolate all over his mouth. You know, (laughs) native Americans have a story about, the good dog and the bad dog. Yeah. Okay. Right. So you have the good dog in one ear telling you to always do the right thing. And you have the bad dog yelling and screaming at you to do the wrong thing. And basically the dog that we feed the most right. is the one that we will become like. So yes, we absolutely have that propensity to behave in a negative way because our ego is there. We have a choice. Yes. It kind of goes into that free will concept yeah. and, um, uh... Spirituality isn't forced upon us, you know. Yep. You have to choose it. Yeah, you have to choose. At every step, you have to choose it. Yeah, I joke around all the time because I still get 
and I kid, I, you know, that there's a dude and I call him, he's, he hangs out on my left shoulder and he tries to get me to do dumb stuff, you know, and he gives me dumb ideas and he tells me to be mad at so-and-so because they did this or, you know, and will try to talk me into doing things that I know are not the path I should be on, you know, and I had to feed this other thing on my right shoulder is the one that I listened to. And what's happened is I listened to this guy less and less over time. You know, he doesn't, I shut him up quicker and quicker. He still talks. He's still, he's still over yapping, but I don't listen to him as often. So they still talk, but that's good. Yeah. We don't listen to them as much. That's exactly right. Yeah, this is how life becomes transport and meditation and yoga and prayer accelerate that process. Yeah. They yeah. They're like an enzyme that makes that speeds that process up. I went to a yoga teacher training. I actually is a registered yoga teacher uh, oh, here. Nice. And uh, what had happened is, is a, friend uh tricked me into going to a yoga class when i was about 18 months sober and it was a combined 12-step recovery uh yoga class so they did half the class was a 12-step meeting and the other half was yoga and i walked out of there with some feeling in my body that i'd not known before uh and i wanted more of it you know is that good i feel good i'll do that more and uh and i started getting real serious about a yoga practice and then it ended up one thing leading to another and uh and i watched that happened to my friends and what kind of funny is like i'm telling them this and but they don't want to hear it you know it's that same i kind of get a kid around it nothing's ever a good idea it's till it's my idea you know and then <laughs> you got to trick people into having their own ideas uh, and right before covid hit man I, we were showing up and i'd have five six guys my buddies showing up on a, at a yoga class and everybody basically getting high in yoga you know, because you do, it's, there's, it's a, it's a spirit lifting thing. And, you know, it's one of the things that us addicts and alcoholics, I still find myself doing is doing things that get me high, but naturally That's you right. know, not, you know, things that lift my spirit, get me high, just like what alcohol and drugs used to do at one point, uh, but do things that are nice. And then COVID hit and all the yoga studios shut down and, uh, and it was awful hard to continue. And, I did it at the time. And I would tell people, people said, are you wanting to teach yoga? And I said, no, I'm really not looking necessarily to teach yoga. What I'm looking to do is strengthen my own practice, uh, my personal practice. Yeah. And, uh, and that seemed like just a really good way to do it. And I'll be done, doggone if uh, COVID didn't hit and all the yoga studio, studios closed and there I had strengthened my own practice so that, you know, I, I was, could be less reliant on commercial yoga around town and could continue my practice. And that's those kind of things that I call those miracles like that happened. And at the time I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing what felt like the next right thing. And then, and then later on, I'm like, Hey man, there's a quite a few reasons why that happened. And one of them was, is so that when the yoga studio shut down, uh, you would be proficient on your own. That's right. You can and, help. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, and I don't, you know, I try to put this stuff in words and I, do, and I don't ever pretend like to know what any of this is really, but I know there's something to yoga that's way beyond exercise uh, that combines the benefits I get out of exercise. Cause I do, we do a kind of a, we, the yoga I do is a power vinyasa. So you are getting your heart rate up and you are moving pretty quick. It's a, it's a fluid, real active yoga that I do. Uh but there's also that meditative portion of it somehow, you know, that even though I'm active, Absolutely. I'm still, I still get the same type of benefit I get from meditation at the same time. And it ends up like taking those two things and putting them together and gives me a whole nother, you know, a whole different 
feeling, you know, that lifts me. And uh, I still don't quite, you know, I, I don't know what yoga does for me, but I know it does something for me. And I like, you know, I'm, I'm continuing well, to do it. Helps a lot. You know, we have um, chakras within our chakras. body. Yep. Term. And what yoga does, it really helps align and open up those chakras and any blockages we have within our, the flow of energy within our body, which yep. is called prana in sense, yep. Chinese yep. called chi, you know, yeah, it helps right. open all of that up. So that's how yoga transforms the body and gives that kind of meditative, peaceful effect. Yeah. And, you know, even if they taught us, you know, even just our physical bodies, our endocrine system, is that right? That, you know, we kind of, by doing that twisting and moving, toxins that are in pieces in our body end up getting moved around so that our body can do something. And they instead, they kind of tend to pile up in certain areas and you have a sore shoulder or, you know, and by doing the movements, you yeah. kind of ring that around and get it out circulating in the system that's built here to fight that stuff. Exactly. And it doesn't have a chance to like uh, gang yeah. up on one spot. Absolutely. People who have a lot of health problems or, you know, yoga can really help transform a lot of that. And if people do it on a regular basis, they avoid a lot of Yeah, I've seen it. And I know like uh, I never have been a gym guy, you know, I'm, I'm pretty skinny. Uh, I'm six, three and one, 85 and 180 uh but i always won you know I, you know the i joke around i talk about you know this life stuff like how the chubby kids got picked on for being fat right you know you didn't if you were in school and you were running around no different than if you didn't have the right pair of tennis shoes on or whatever you know you had these things and and that that you know that so-called weakness uh our peers would pick on I got the same thing from being skinny, you know, that I was always felt like, you know, and then when I really woke up, I realized I was wearing clothes that were too big for me, trying to make them look like I'm bigger than I am, you know, and, uh, uh, but now what the yoga has allowed me to be in touch with my body and be okay with just the way I am. And I feel like I'm way stronger than I ever would be if I was pumping iron, you know, uh, for a skinny guy. I am. And what it did, it gave me functional power. You know, it gave me power that allows me to function in my daily stuff. And, you know, um, I do handyman work and I got, I might be putting a new ceiling, taking a ceiling fan down and putting a new one up, you know, uh, my arms, I can keep my arms up in the air a long time, you know, and I think about that, how in yoga, we do a lot of stuff that ends up with your arms up in the air for at periods of time and practical for all the things it's real practical, functional power. And so there's another like side benefit that I didn't realize, you know, right off the bat, I knew my spirit was being touched. It took right. a while again before I realized what it was doing for my body. And then to learn that, uh, you know, the yogic principles and, you know, we read the, uh, did a little study on the, and I will always mess up. I, I talk in what I call Southern Indiana hillbilly. And a lot of people talk about my accent, no matter where I go, even around town, people go, where are you from? Uh, I'm like, I'm from right here. <laughs> um, the Bhagavad Gita, we did a little study on that and, and read. So the, the yoga teacher training exposed me to some of that stuff um, that, that I wouldn't have otherwise been, you know, necessarily, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't run into it, but that that put me there yeah. and just ended up having a ton of benefit in my life and uh meta spon meta you know there's a guy that uh there that you know turned out we bumped into each other and he found out i was in you know i was sober and he needed to be and we developed a friendship and now he just uh celebrated in uh last monday he celebrated three years of sobriety and yesterday he had his first child 
Wow. And uh, to get to be, you know, these these links and this this connection, you know, there's that one guy on YouTube. Uh, I forgot his name, but he says the opposite of addiction is connection. And uh, this connection that the places and just like what you said, hanging around with people that are on the same plane that are on a self-improvement, personal development type of trajectory. And that's usually what you find in the yoga studios. And, you know, that's what you find in 12 step recovery. And so then you start piling that, that good influence on top of whatever you're working towards. And, you know, and I get better as a result of their fertilizer, more or less, you know. Absolutely. This is how it works. This is how we all can rise together. You know, everybody. Yeah, you know the funny stuff about sponsoring guys. You know, I I get I go down. I got a cabin out in the woods, and like this time of year, I'm down there chasing deer every weekend. And uh, so one of my assignments to all my new guys is I assign them to call a couple guys, you know, that they don't know. Call oh. Travis. Here's his number. And like, what do I say to him? I said, say hello. You know, and my, you know, we're we're all talkative enough. Well, he'll take care of the conversation. You won't have to worry sure. about. But to I'm forcing him to make a connection with another human being that he didn't know before, you know, and, and, and start throwing those webs out to where we begin building that. Cause I tell him, you know, we're doing this 12 step work and that's okay. And it's going to be helpful to you, but without these other elements, like building this support network of friends around you who truly care about you and who are on the same, who have a common goal of staying sober and you know are trying to be better versions of themselves every day you need that just as bad as you need to do this work sometimes i think the work is just a distraction just to keep you from uh i know the 12 steps does some stuff to help you process but also uh it it uh sometimes it just seems like some way to like divert your trajectory it's just a um a reflection board because you're going this way and you need to be going that way and this just gives you something to bounce off of so that you can change your trajectory. Um, and I would think that, uh, I would think that the, the, the astronomy stuff would be a similar kind of thing of what potentially give this person like a redirect. That's uh, exactly what it does. It gives you a big astrology. Uh, it gives you an overall big view of what's going on in your life, a roadmap of where your life is and the different directions that you can choose. And then it allows you to see that, okay, if I choose this, this is the direction it's going to go. If I choose this one, it's going to go in this way. So that way we can make wise, or at least if we don't make wise decisions, we've made informed decisions. You informed know. decisions. Not everybody chooses the right path, but at least yep. they have that option is given to them. So, yeah. And I know it's a whole different realm of things, but I find it just makes me think about the benefit of like having a sponsor in my life. And I'll joke around about, that if I'm doing anything, if I'm making any decisions any more important than buying new underwear, I keep my sponsor in the loop. Right. He's right. got this, you know, he, he's not, he doesn't really have a dog in the fight in my world, you know, and if I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go out and buy a new car, uh, we can dialogue that whether that's really a good decision right now or not. Exactly. Exactly. Um, having that. You know, my sponsors turned out and I never did intend for that to happen. I didn't know that's what was going to happen here was that I was going to end up with a, with a best friend, oh, that's uh, that's that, you know, somebody, uh, somebody that I can truly 100% rely on and I can tell him anything. I can tell him the, you know, I need an outlet to be able to talk to people and be able to actually let this guy on my left shoulder talk a little bit without, 
you know, and he'll scare people in the normal world, <laughs> but he doesn't scare my alcoholic buddies because they got one too, you know. And um, you know, it's very important and valuable that we recognize that that guy is sitting on our left shoulder and talking, and we can listen to what he says. At least we can hear what he says, and we should be able to share that with the people who are close to us without them getting freaked out. This with yep. this other, and that's important to have those relationships. Yep. Where we share those things and tell people about those things without judgment, without fear. And then we, because uh, that's the way we get over it. You're recognizing those weaknesses, recognizes that bad dog sitting on our left shoulder is how we overcome him. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's the same concept as Jung's shadow and stuff like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got. Um, burned up the allotted amount of time i do want to make sure that people understand know how to get a hold of you so uh are you uh you said yeah. i know you got a website and i will put that in the show notes too yeah they can i'm on uh they can put in my name radikesh das it's r-a-d-h-i i guess you'll have to spell that out but r-a-d-h-i-k-e-s-h-d-a-s so that's the website radikeshdas.com um and they can reach me through there YouTube, Instagram, if they have it, I'm on there. Oh, are you? Under the same name, yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, my email address is yourdestiny108 at gmail.com. What's the 108 signify? 108 is a sacred number. Yeah, I thought I was wondering if that's not an accident. No, no, it's not an accident. That's exactly what uh, 108 beads on a mala, right? 108 beads on a mala, 108 principal gopis for Krishna. Uh, there's 108 Upanishads, like different different yeah. significances of uh, yeah. Uh, the, that's why 108. So your destiny 108 at gmail.com. People can also get a hold of me, and I'm happy to help in any way that I can. So yeah, well, I love what you're doing, and uh, love talking to you today. I always uh, a side benefit of these podcasts is that uh, you know I get to talk to these people that I didn't know before and end up walking away like I have my new friend you know uh, I have another person in that like I just said when I'm telling that guy to call so-and-so this weekend uh, the divine is doing the same thing with me here sort of and saying okay connect with this guy this weekend and it's actually been wonderful speaking with you and you know the stuff you're doing I think is really transforming so many lives and uh, I'm so happy to be a small part of it here yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I will put on the in the show notes how everybody can get a hold of you. And uh, just thanks for sharing your knowledge and, and wisdom. And then also, you know, there's the affirmation because these kind of things also uh, help me. Like uh, I get around to question whether I'm on the right track or not. And then I hear somebody else share stuff that's in the parallel track kind of thing. And you go, okay, it's like I call them higher power attaboys. It's like, the divine, the divine going yep you're doing okay that's right you're doing wonderful yes all right uh i, I end this podcast with two things i always do it and, uh, um, one thing recovery's taught me that uh if something's not working stop doing it and if uh something is working keep doing it uh so uh in this podcast uh, if you're not having a blast in your recovery it's your own damn fault and I want to thank everybody out there for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out. Peace out.